Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Hey, good morning, sisters and brothers. Good morning. Super excited to be back with you. Excited to have Lauren and Christian here this morning. And also excited to kick off this new teaching series that we as a team have entitled A Way Out. Today we're looking at the subject, A Way Out of Fear, taken from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. So if you have your Bibles or Bible app, I want to encourage you to open it up to Matthew chapter 14. And as you're doing, let me ask you some questions to kick us off this morning. Do you have any fears? Do you have any phobias? Turn towards your neighbor, unless that's one of your fears, and tell them what your fear is. Don't say long-winded preachers now, okay? Go ahead and just do that for a moment. We're going to take a moment. Any fears, any phobias that you have? Okay. Anyone here say snakes? Raise your hand really high. Anyone afraid of snakes? Anyone here afraid of snakes? Okay, put your hand down. Anyone here afraid of spiders? Same snake people. <laughs> I remember walking into a guest house in Nicaragua a few years ago and turned on the light and there was a big tarantula right on the floor. I didn't sleep there that night. <laughs> Anyone afraid of heights? Anyone afraid of heights? Yeah, the guy in the balcony. Way to face your fears. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone? How about closed in spaces? Anyone afraid of water, like jumping over your head? Standing on the high dive at Lake Isabella in East Fultonham, Ohio, south of Zanesville, at 10 years old, I was to face my fears. I'd never been off the high dive before, but this was the time. I had butterflies in my stomach because I wondered, should I do it? It was only about 12 feet, but it seemed like 1,200 at 10 years old, right? But my buddies behind me, the crowd behind me, waiting in line, they were saying, come on, Dennis, you can do it. Just jump, just jump. We believe in you. You're going to be okay. And so with a little prayer, I jumped. I went under the water, popped right back up. I didn't die. I survived. Perhaps you remember the first time you went off the diving board. And I just dog paddled over to the ladder. And guess what I did? I got back up and I did it again and again. And again, now today what I want to do, I want to tell you about a disciple in the Bible that faced his fears. He, he jumped into the water that was over his head. He didn't die. And it's an amazing story. Some of us who grew up in church have heard this in Sunday school. Others, maybe it's for the first time from Matthew chapter 14. It all happened on the Sea of Galilee. And I want to walk you through this passage. I'm not going to read it all at once. I'm just going to just walk you through the passage, starting at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there all alone. But the boat was a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, this passage begins with 
Jesus sending the disciples out and they are at night and they go out into the Sea of Galilee and they were overcome by a huge storm. Now, the Sea of Galilee is called several different names in the New Testament. Another name for it is the Sea of Tiberias that was named after Tiberius, the second emperor of Rome. And it's known, even still today, in, with, for huge storms. And the reason is because it sits in the Jordan Valley Rift. To the north, about 40 miles, is Mount Hermon, the highest point of Israel. Some of you have heard in the past about the Golan Heights. It's right in that region, at the point where Syria and Jordan and Israel meet today. It's often snow-covered. It, it stands at about 10,000 feet. It's one of Israel's only ski resorts there today. But as a place of a high mountain, winds sweep down off of Mount Hermon from the headwaters of the Jordan River, which flow into the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee then deposits into the Jordan River for 80 miles down through the valley to the lowest place on earth, the Dead Sea, which is extremely hot. And so you have this interesting weather situation where you have cold air coming down off of Mount Hermon from the north and warm air sweeping up from the valley from the lowest place on planet Earth, the Dead Sea. They collide at the Sea of Galilee and run over the shallow waters, creates this huge place of waves and storm still today. And that is the reason why we see many storms even mentioned in the Bible Let's look at verse 25. It, they are in the middle of a storm. It says, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, let's just pause right here. Matthew mentions the fourth watch of the night. The Romans in the first century had divided the night into four sections. From 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. was the first watch. The second watch, 9 p.m. to midnight. The third, you get, get where we're going here, midnight to 3 a.m. And the fourth night watch would have been in those very early hours when you're really sleeping or you're getting ready to get up, depending upon your situation, from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. It was during this time, they were in the middle of a storm, waves all around, and they looked out between the waves, and there's a man walking towards them. What would you think? How would you feel? I mean, it's not something that happens every day here, and it's not something that happened every day there. And so they said, it's a ghost. Look at verse 26. The disciples saw him walking on the lake. They were terrified. They had megaphobia. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Now, another thing that historians know that we might miss, let me tell you a little bit more about the first century understanding of the spirit world. They believe, the first century Jews, that the spirits live beneath the sea. In fact, at the center of the Sea of Galilee was the abyss. Abyss means bottomless pit. 
They believed the underworld was there in the abyss where the spirits lived. And there was actually a portal to the underworld where spirits lived, where demons lived. And that's why sailors and fishermen would not cross the lake by going right directly, the shortcut across the center of the lake. They would hug the coast. Now, Sea of Galilee is not a huge sea. It's a lake, actually. It's only 13 miles in length from north to south and about seven to eight miles in width. I've been there four times myself. You can stand on the western shore and look over across the lake seven miles and see the Golan Heights on the other side. And so they would not just travel that short distance, even though they could see their side, they would not go across the abyss. They would go around the shoreline. So picture in your mind, having an understanding it's in the middle of the night, waves crashing all around. They're being pushed out over the abyss and they see a person walking. Again, what would you think? Who would it be? They didn't know it was Jesus at first. They said, is a ghost. They were terrified. They cried out in fear. Have you ever come face to face with your fear? What do you fear? How do you react? What do you do? Let me tell you a true story. You know, I travel a, a lot, at least in the past, regarding motorcycle travel and been to Alaska on four different occasions. My second trip to Alaska, I tent camped 14 days in the wilderness with a buddy of mine from Oklahoma City, Randy Schroner. Here's a picture of us crossing the U.S.-Canadian border uh, way up uh, north in a very remote area. Put that picture back up again if you're able to. Randy stands about 6'4", 250 pounds. He is a former cattle rancher from Western Kansas. Tough guy, macho guy. Uh, doesn't know a fear, it seems. And so we were in our about 14th day. We actually camped longer than this, but we were in our 14th consecutive day. Hadn't had a shower in nine days. And uh, we were, the closest Holiday Inn was about 500 to 1,000 miles away at that time. We were in northern British Columbia on our way back. And we pulled into a provisional park, a state park, to camp. And when we pulled our bikes into this camp, there were signs all around that said, barren area, be alert. But it wasn't too alarming to us because we had spent the day uh, riding in wilderness where we had come upon literally a, a dozen to two dozen black bear throughout the day. And in every situation of a black bear for us on that day, we found them very timid. Now, I don't recommend that you hang out with black bear, but there was even a moment where we came up on a re remote area, gravel area, and a bear was sleeping in the middle of the road. <laughs> and my buddy Randy, not having a fear, he just rode his bike front tire right up to the bear and honked the horn. <laughs> and the horn just, and, and, the, and the bear just lazily got up and went off the road. And that was our day. So we pulled in to this area that said, barren area, be alert. We noticed there were no tent campers there. We were in tents. They were all RV campers. So we went into the ranger stations, the director station, and we said, may we camp here? And she said, yeah, no, they're barren area, but you'll be okay. We haven't really had an incident all summer as far as anyone injured. I said, well, that's good news. I said, well, would you camp here in a tent? She said, no, but I'm chicken. <laughs> but we didn't have anywhere else to go. And so we were pitching our tent and there was a, 
a man who came by who was in an RV, and he said to us, he said, you know, guys, there are bear in area. Again, so we've heard this like four or five times. Just be aware. And I'll never forget my buddy Randy. He said, he said, oh, we're not worried about bear. He said, I'm a rancher from Kansas. This buddy of mine, he's from the hills of Southeast Ohio. He's an outdoorsman. We're not worried about. Now, have you ever had a friend, you've been with them so long, even though you like them, they have the tendency to get on your last nerve. <laughs> and we were at that place. And so I pitched my tent, he pitched his. And, and just before dusk, I'm in my tent. I realized that I had to go to the outhouse. I mean, you know, it's the real world. And so I yelled over to the other tent and I knew my buddy was still awake. And I said, hey, I'm just gonna get up, I'll be back. He said, well, I'll go with you. And so we both got out of our tents and just went around a grove of trees. You can see it coming right now. And we went down this little path about the width of this, uh, this aisle right here. And from here, for those who are in house, to the media booth, what is that? 15 yards? I looked up, there's a male grizzly bear. Grizzly bear standing in front of me. I froze. The bear froze. Now, of course, I survived because I'm preaching here today. <laughs> and so my sister, hearing about this later, said, well, did you get a photo? <laughs> I said, no, but I got a pair of wet underwear. <laughs> the bear just looked at me and then didn't care, went into the woods and stood right outside my tent. You talk about a perfect photo, I wish. That's my tent, by the way, right there. It stood right by my tent. At this point... Other campers are aware of the grizzly. And so there were people yelling, bear in camp, bear in camp. And the ranger came out. Now, if you want drama, this is drama. You can't make this stuff up. She took a bear banger. Do you know what that is? It's like a flare gun. She shot it over the bear. There was a big explosion, like a big firecracker. The bear took off into the woods. Now my buddy, Randy, the big 6'4 macho guy, he's scared. He made a beeline to the director. He said, ma'am, is there any way that we can sleep in your cabin tonight? He said, I, I don't mean this. He says, we know nothing about it. We're just two simple United Methodist pastors from the United States. She said, well, for $100, you can sleep in the cabin. What do we do? Our lives were on the line. We went back and slept in the tents. We were scared, but not $100 scared. See, we're cheap preachers. <laughs> Here's the point. Sometimes you gotta get back into the tent, amen? Sometimes you gotta count the costs, as the Bible says. You gotta face your fears. You gotta just know what's before you. And sometimes in the middle of the storm, you've gotta ride out the storm. It's a ghost. These disciples cried out in fear. Let's look what happened Next, says this, verse 26. When disciples saw him walking in the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. Now listen to this. But Jesus immediately said to them, let's say this together. I wanna make sure that you're looking. Let's say it together. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. This story is a story that actually happened 2,000 years ago, but it's our story today. It's a story that happens day after day in Miami County, in Montgomery County, in El Salvador. Jesus comes to us in our storm and he says what? Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. 
And I don't know about you, but that's comforting for me. I need to hear that, that Jesus is in my boat, that Jesus is in my storm with me today. Now, that doesn't always solve our problem before us. The storm still may rage. Now listen, you still may have cancer. The spouse still may leave. You may still struggle with mental illness, but there's something to be said that Jesus is with us in the middle of the storm. Now, let's turn our attention to Simon Peter real quick here. Simon Peter, faithful but flawed disciple. I don't know about you, but I can identify a lot with Simon Peter. He has a heart for God, but he puts his foot in his mouth often. He, he jumps to conclusions. He reacts. We see many, many different stories littered throughout the New Testament. But he is the one who cries out, realizing it's Jesus, or at least asking this Jesus. Look at verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came towards Jesus. I want to push pause right there before we go on. This story is often called the story of Jesus walking on water. How many people in this story walked on water? Two. Let me look at it again. Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on water and came towards Jesus. Hard stop. Peter walked on water too with Jesus. Then the story goes on. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Let me just say right here, I love this passage, that Jesus is the immediate Jesus. Look at Matthew's words, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. Verse 27, immediately, Jesus said to them, take courage. Verse 31, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He is the immediate Jesus, Gingsburg. If we cry out to him today, save me, Jesus, he will. Not someday, not Maybe, let me think about it. Not, well, when I get around to it, if you improve a little bit, if you cry out to Jesus today, oh Lord, I surrender my life to you. Save me. He will. And I wouldn't be a good preacher of the gospel if I didn't give you an invitation today or those worshiping online, wherever you may be, to cry out to Jesus today for salvation, to save you, or perhaps you're in a situation that's way over your head by bad decisions that you've made or perhaps by other decisions that other people have made. Cry out today, even from your home. Cry out right now, save me, Lord. He is the immediate Jesus, amen? And he will, amen. So let's... Read the end of this story. It's a great story, isn't it? Verses 32 and 33. When they climbed in the boat, the wind died down, 
And those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, this is the son of God. Over the years, I've heard a lot of sermons on this. I've preached a lot of sermons on this. You can take a lot of different angles on this passage. I've heard preachers stand up and say, you know, Peter, you blew it. You took your eyes off Jesus and look what happened. You sunk. And then the preacher would turn to the audience and say, don't you take your eyes off Jesus. I want to say that if Peter is a failure, there were 11 other failures in the story. Amen? That didn't even get out of the boat. I love what John Ortberg, Pastor Ortberg, said of this several years ago in a book. He said, he said there were 11 other couch potatoes or boat potatoes who didn't even get out of the boat. He says, if you're going to walk on water, you got to what? Get out of the boat. Peter responded to the call of Jesus. He took the step. And he later became the leader of the church. Amen? Because he was willing to walk to Jesus. Jesus is calling you today to face your fear, to face your unknown, to take the hand of Jesus. You know, I have a fear. Say, preacher, what's your fear? Yeah, thank you for asking. It's not criticism. I've been a district superintendent. I've lived through that. I have a fear that some of you will go through your whole life and you'll miss it. You'll miss it. You'll miss the call. You'll stay in the boat. I have a fear that you'll get to the end of your life and you'll live in the woulda, coulda, shouldas. Today, what I want to be and what this team wants to be and what our staff wants to be and what our leadership wants you to be and our life together in this community together. I want to be a cheerleader at the high platform dive at Lake Isabel saying, come on, Dennis, come on, Susie, come on, Matt, come on, Josh, come on, Erica, I believe in you, just jump. Just taste and see that the Lord is good. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.